Chapter Five of Captain Antifer by Jules Verne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Joe Denoya, Somerset, New Jersey. Chapter Five. So you have come at last. Came as soon as you sent for me, my friend. Not without taking your time. The time to come here, indeed. One would think you had taken your passage on the Charmante Amelie. Triggerman took no notice of this allusion to the slow progress of canal boats compared to that of sea-going ships. He saw that his neighbor was in a bad temper, in which there was nothing astonishing, and he made up his mind to put up with it, as was his custom. Antifer stretched out a finger which he gently squeezed between his thumb and index of his large hand. Hey, not so strong. You always squeeze too tight. Excuse me, I took particular care. Well, you cannot have made a worse mess of it and with a gesture Captain Antifer invited Tregomain to sit down at the table in the middle of the room. The boatman obeyed, and sat himself in a chair, his legs wide apart, his feet placed firmly in shoes without heels, his huge handkerchief spread on his knees, a cotton handkerchief with blue and red flowers, ornamented with an anchor at each end. This handkerchief always made Antifer shrug his shoulders. An anchor for a bargeman! Why not a foremast or a mainsail? or a mizzen on a barge. You will take some brandy, said he, bringing out two glasses and a bottle. You know, my friend, that I never take anything. This did not prevent Antifer from filling two glasses. According to a custom now ten years old, he first drank his own brandy, and then drank Tregomain's. And now let us talk. Of what? asked the bargeman, who knew exactly what was coming. Of what? Of what would you like us to talk? If not of... That is true. Have you found the spot that interests you on this famous latitude? Found it? How would you like me to find it? By listening to the chatter of the two females who were here just now? The good Nanan and my pretty Enogate. Oh, I know, you are always ready to take their part against me. But that has nothing to do with it. Here has my father been dead for eight years, and for eight years this latitude question has not advanced a step. It is time it should finish. I said the parchment, winking, would soon finish it, by not bothering any more about it. Indeed, and my father's command on his deathbed, what would you do with that? That sort of thing is sacred, I believe. It is a pity, said Tregomain, that the worthy man did not say a little more. If he did not say a little more, it's because he did not know a little more. Am I, too, to see my last day without knowing any more? Tregomain was about to answer that it was very likely, and even desirable. He refrained, however, so as not to excite his excitable friend. What had happened a few days before Antifer died was as follows. It was in the year 1854, a year which the old sailor was not to see out in this world. Feeling himself very ill, he thought he would tell his son a story, the mystery of which he had been unable to penetrate. Fifty-five years before, in 1799, while he was trading in the Levant, Thomas Antifer was cruising off the coast of Palestine the very day that Bonaparte was massacring the prisoners in Jaffa. One of these unfortunates, who had taken refuge on a rock, where he was awaiting inevitable death, had been taken away by the French sailor during the night, embarked on his ship, had had his wounds dressed, and finally recovered after two months of good treatment. The prisoner told his rescuer who he was. He said that he was Kamalik Pasha, a native of Egypt, and when he took his leave, he assured the gallant soldier that he would not forget him. When the time came, he would receive a proof of his gratitude. Thomas Antifer pursued his voyages, thinking more or less of the promises that had been made to him, and made up his mind to think no more of them, as it did not seem that they would ever be realized. 
In his old age he retired to St. Malo, devoting himself to the maritime education of his son, and he was seventy-seven years old when the letter reached him in June, 1842. Whence came this letter, written in French? From Egypt, evidently, from the postmark. What did they contain? Simply this. Captain Thomas Antifer is requested to note in his pocketbook this latitude 24 degrees, 59 minutes north, which will be completed by a longitude that will eventually be communicated to him. He will do well not to forget this, and to keep it secret. It is of considerable importance to him. The enormous sum in gold, diamonds, and precious stones that this latitude and longitude will one day be worth to him will only be just recompense for the services he formerly rendered to the prisoner of Java. And his letter was signed with a double K in the form of a monogram. This is what it was that fired the imagination of the worthy man, the worthy father of his son. And so after forty-three years, Kamalik Pasha had remembered him. He had taken his time about it. But probably obstacles of all kinds had delayed him in this country of Syria, the political position of which was only definitely settled in 1840 by the Treaty of London, signed on the 15th of July, and to the advantage of the Sultan. Now Thomas Antifer was the possessor of a latitude which passed through a certain point of the earth where Kamalik Pasha had buried a fortune. And what fortune? In his opinion, nothing less than millions. In any case, he had been required to keep the matter secret until the arrival of a messenger who would someday bring him the promised longitude. And so he spoke to no one about it, not even to his son. He waited. He waited for twelve years, and if he had had a sister Anne on a tower, sister Anne would have said nothing. But was it reasonable that he should carry the secret to the tomb with him? That he should reach the end of his life without having to open his door to the envoy of the Pasha? No, he could not believe it. He said to himself that this secret ought to be entrusted to him who would stand in his place, his son Pierre. And in 1854, the old sailor, then aged 81, thinking that he had only a few days to live, told his son and the heir of Camelique's intentions. He made him promise, as he himself had done, never to forget the figures of this latitude, to carefully preserve the letter signed with a double K, and to await in all confidence the appearance of the messenger. Then the worthy man, wept for by his family, lamented by all those who knew him, was buried in the family grave. We know Captain Antifer, we can easily imagine with what intensity such a revelation worked on his mind, and on his inflammable imagination. The millions his father had imagined, he multiplied by ten. Of Kemlik Pasha, he made sort of a nabob of the Arabian Nights. He dreamt only of gold and precious stones buried in an Ali Baba's cave. But with his natural impatience, his characteristic nervousness, it was impossible for him to show the same reserve as his father. To remain a dozen years without saying a word, without confiding to anybody, without doing anything to discover what had become of the signatory of the letter of the double K, the father might not be able to do this, but not the son. And so, in 1855, during one of his voyages in the Mediterranean, having put in at Alexandria, he judiciously obtained as much information as he could concerning Kamalik Pasha. Had he existed? There was no doubt as to this, for the old sailor possessed a letter in his handwriting. Did he still exist? That was a serious question, to which Captain Antifer attached particular importance. The information was disconcerting. Kamalik Pasha had disappeared for twenty years, and no one knew what had become of him. Here was an obstacle for Captain Antifer to run into, but he did not sink, all the same. He might be without news of Kamalik, but there was no doubt Kamalik was living in 1842. The famous letter proved it. Probably he had had to leave the country, for reasons he was not obliged to reveal. Then the time came, his messenger, 
the bearer of the interesting longitude would present himself and as the father was no longer in the world it would be his son who would receive him and give him a warm welcome you may be sure captain antifer returned then to st malo and said nothing to anybody much as it might cost him he continued at sea until his retirement in eighteen fifty seven and since then he had lived in the midst of his family but what an enervating existence occupationless unemployed always possessed with one fixed idea these twenty-four hour degrees and these fifty-nine minutes flew about his brain like so many tormenting flies he can keep his tongue still no longer he confided his secret to his sister to his niece to his nephew to gildestredemain and soon the secret in part at least was known all over town and even beyond st servan and denard it was known that an enormous fortune was to fall some day into the hands of captain antifer that it would not fail to come to him and there never came a knock at his door without his expecting to be greeted with these words here is the longitude you have been waiting for years went by the messenger of Camelot gave no sign of life no stranger had crossed the threshold of the house hence continual excitement on the part of captain antifer his family had given up believing in the fortune and the letter seemed to them merely a mystification Tregermain, without letting it appear looked upon his friend as a simpleton of the first water but antifer never faltered nothing could shake his conviction the fortune was as surely his as if he had received it and those who would say otherwise did so at the peril of a storm and so the bargeman when he found himself in his presence seated before the table was firmly resolved not to provoke an explosion look here said captain antifer looking him in the face answer me without prevarication for you always appear as though you did not understand me after all the skipper of the charmante amelie never had occasion to fix his position it is not between the banks of rance a mere rivulet that it is necessary to take altitudes observe the sun the moon the stars and in this pleasant way we may be sure it was antifer's intention to show the immense difference between a coaster shipper and a bargee the excellent tregomine smiled and looked at the many-coloured rays of the handkerchief on his knees are you listening yes my friend well once and for all do you know exactly what a latitude is very nearly do you know that it is a circle parallel to the equator that is divided into three hundred and sixty degrees which means two thousand one hundred and sixty minutes or one thousand twenty nine thousand six hundred seconds why should i not know it replied the smiling tregomine and do you know that an arc of fifteen degrees corresponds to an hour of time and an arc of fifteen minutes to a minute of time and an arc of fifteen seconds to a second of time would you like me to repeat it no that would be useless well i have this latitude of twenty-four degrees fifty-nine minutes north of the equator well in this parallel which contains three hundred and sixty degrees three hundred and sixty you understand there are three hundred and fifty-nine which are of no more use to me than an anchor without flukes but there is one and only one which i do not know and never shall know until i have been told the longitude that crosses it and there at that very spot there are millions don't smile i am not smiling my friend yes millions which are mine which i have the right to dig up the day i find the place where they are buried well replied the bargeman sweetly you must wait patiently until the messenger comes with the good news patiently patiently what is there that flows in your veins syrup i imagine nothing but syrup replied tregomain and in mine it is quicksilver there is saltpeter dissolved in my blood i cannot rest i eat myself i devour myself really you should take it calmly calmly do you forget that we are in sixty-two 
that my father died in 54, that he possessed the secret ever since 42, and that for 20 years we have been waiting for the word of the confounded charade. 20 years, murmured Tremaine. How the time passes. 20 years ago I was still in command of the Charmante Amelie. Who's talking about the Charmante Amelie? asked Jennifer. Are we talking about the Charmante Amelie, or the latitude in this letter? And beneath the bargeman's blinking eyes he tossed a famous letter, all old and yellow, on which figured the monogram of Kamalik Pasha. Yes, this letter, this confounded letter, he continued. This diabolical letter, which I have sometimes been tempted to tear up to reduce to cinders. That might perhaps be wise, ventured the bargeman. See here, Tregomain, said Antifer, his eyes flashing, his voice ringing. Mind you never answer me like that again. Never. And if ever, in a moment of madness, I wish to destroy this letter, which is as good as a title deed for me, if ever I am unreasonable enough to forget that I owe to myself and mine, and you do not prevent me, I will prevent you, my friend. I will prevent you, Tregomain hastened to reply. Antifer, in great excitement, seized his glass of brandy, chinked it against that of the bargeman, and said, To your health, Captain. To yours, replied Tregomain, lifting his glass up to his eyes, and setting it back again on the table. Antifer became thoughtful, running his feverish hand through his hair, muttering to himself, and grinding the pebble between his teeth. Suddenly he crossed his arms and looked at his friend. Do you know where this wretched latitude goes? How could I not do so, asked the bargeman, who had submitted a hundred times to this lesson in geography. Never mind. There are some things we cannot know too well. And, opening the atlas at the map of the world, look, he said in a tone that admitted of neither hesitation nor reply. Tregomain looked. You see St. Malo, don't you? Yes, and there is the rance. Never mind the rance. You will make me curse the rance. Get on the meridian of Paris and run down to the 24th parallel. I run down. Traverse France, Spain, enter Africa, cross Algeria, reach the Tropic of Cancer, there above Timbuktu. I am there. Well now, we are on this famous latitude. Yes, here we are. Now run along to the east, cross Africa, walk across the Red Sea, stride through Arabia. Take your hat off to the Sultan of Muscat, jump into India, leaving Bombay and Calcutta at the starboard. Skirt the base of China. Run across Formosa, the Pacific, the Sandwich Islands. Do you follow me? I am following you, replied Tregomain, wiping his head with his huge handkerchief. Well, here we are in America, in Mexico, then in the Gulf, then near Cuba. He jumped the Straits of Florida, cross the Atlantic, skirt the Canaries, reach Africa, come up the Paris Meridian, and return to St. Malo, after having made a tour of the globe on the 24th parallel. Yes, said the complacent bargeman. And now, continued Antifer, we have traversed the two continents, the Atlantic, the Pacific, the Indian Oceans, in which islands and islets are in the thousands. And can you tell me where my millions are hidden? That is what we do not know. That is what we shall know. Yes, that is what we shall know when the messenger, Antifer took the second glass of brandy, which had not been sipped by his friend. To your health, he said. To yours, said Dragomain, clinking the empty glass against the full one which was once his. Ten o'clock struck. A loud knock shook the street door. "'If that is the man with the longitude,' exclaimed Antifer. "'Oh,' said his friend, who could not restrain his gentle exclamation of doubt. "'And why not?' said Antifer, his cheeks flushing purple. "'Just so. Why not?' replied the conciliating bargeman, thinking of the beginning of a salute for the bearer of good news. 
Suddenly shouts were heard on the ground floor. Shouts of joy, it is true, which, coming from the non and Enogate, could not be addressed to an envoy of Kamalik Pasha. It is he, it is he, repeated the two women. He? He, said Captain Antifer, and he was walking toward the stairs when the door of his room opened. Good evening, uncle. Good evening. This was said in a cheery, satisfied voice, which had the effect of exasperating the uncle in question. He was Jewel. He had just arrived. He had not failed in catching the train from Nentes, nor in passing his examination, for he shouted, Past, uncle, past. Past, repeated the woman and the girl. Past what, replied Captain Antifer. Past his long voyage, Captain, with the maximum of marks. And as his uncle did not open his arms to him, he fell into those of Tregomaine, who hugged him to his heart in a way that nearly squeezed the breath out of him. You are suffocating him, Gildas, said Anon. I only just touched him, replied the smiling bargeman. Jewel panted a little and recovered himself, and then, turning to Antifer, who was walking about feverishly, said, And now, uncle, when shall the wedding be? What wedding? My wedding with my dear Enogate, replied Jewel. Was it not agreed upon? Yes, agreed upon, said Nanon. At least, unless Enogate does not care for me, now I am a captain. Oh, Jewel, answered the girl, holding out a hand in which the worthy Tregomaine, so he pretended, thought his czar put her heart. Antifer did not reply, but seemed to be trying to find out which way the wind blew. Come, uncle, said the young man, and he stood there, his face radiant, his eyes bright with happiness. Uncle, said he, did you not say that the wedding should take place when I passed, and that we should fix the day as soon as I came back? I believe you did say so, my friend, ventured the bargeman. Well, I have passed, said Jewel, and here I have come back, and if it is not inconvenient, uncle, we will fix it for the first week of April. Antifer started. In eight weeks? Why not in eight days? In eight hours? In eight minutes? Well, I should not object, uncle. Oh, we must have a little time, said Nanon. There are preparations purchases to make. Yes, I have to get a new coat built, said Germain, the future best man. Then, shall we say the 5th of April? asked Jewel. Be it so, said Antifer, who found himself driven beyond his last entrenchments. Ah, my good uncle, said the girl, leaping onto his neck. Ah, my dear uncle, said the young man. And as he embraced him on one side, with Enogate embracing him on the other, it is not impossible that their cheeks met. That is agreed, continued the uncle the 5th of April, but on one condition. Oh, no condition. A condition, exclaimed Chagamain, who feared some further device on the part of his friend. Yes, one condition. And what is that, asked Jewel, beginning to frown. If my longitude does not reach me before then. They all breathed again. Yes, yes, they replied with one voice. And really, it would have been cruel to refuse the satisfaction to Captain Antifer. Besides, what likelihood was there that the messenger of Kamlik Pasha, whom they had been expecting for twenty years, would make his appearance before the date fixed for the wedding of Jewel and Enogate? End of chapter 5